Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Conscious Thinking Podcast. This episode is a follow-up to episode three, where we covered brand activism and political advertising in the wake of the US midterm elections. At the time, we wanted to have Alex Tate with us, who is the founder of Reform Political Advertising, which is an advertising movement based here in the UK that is focused on regulation and awareness of political advertising for all of us, citizen and consumer. Unfortunately, Alex wasn't able to join us for the full conversation where we covered quite a lot of the midterms and what it meant for political advertising in the US. However, we were able to have a follow-up conversation with him specifically to the UK, some of the work that he's been doing with regards to reform political advertising and how it impacts brand relationships with advertising and social media platforms. So Alex, the UK government, essentially the team, the exec of Brand Britain, is I think one of the top five, if not the biggest advertiser in the UK, much of which is you know necessary public service communication. However, some of it does include party political and manifesto advertising. Tell us a bit more about reform political advertising, its mission and what its objectives are. Yeah, and that's an important distinction, actually. So our campaign is very much focused on advertising that is designed to influence your vote in an election or referendum, what we call electoral advertising, whereas the rest of av- rest of political advertising that's might have a more public service remit is actually covered by regulation by the ASA. And it's kind of amazing, actually, just when, when I talk to people in the industry, I know you, you obviously know this from uh, our previous discussions, but most people don't know that, actually, that electoral advertising has no regulation and no rules. So we started the campaign in 2018 with a, a mission really to ensure that uh, electoral advertising regulation is modernised and specifically with the focus on ensuring that fact-based claims are accurate and substantiated to prevent what the public would basically call lying in electoral ads. All that's really looking to do is bring it in line to close this gap, so bring it in line with all other forms of communication of rules about how you honestly communicate to the public. You know, you have to do it if you're a, any other sort of business, if you're a charity, if you're a public sector organisation. And everyone can think about lots of examples, obviously, of misleading ads. There's the very very well-known ones, things like the Brexit bus, the £350 million Brexit bus, through to Fact Check UK with the Conservative Party in the 2019 a general election changed the Twitter handle to pretend to be a fact-checking service in the middle of the leaders' debate. We've been tracking misleading ads over the last few electoral cycles, the last in 2020, 2021, and also in the 2019 general election. And I think one of the things that just really strikes us is just how misleading ads are just everywhere, even at a small level. And some of the examples, I think the Liberal Democrats have become unfortunately a bit associated with misleading bar charts and statistics. Um, but there's a lot of the smaller bits of advertising that people aren't aware of as much that we've been tracking and documenting in a few of the, the different reports we've done around those different electoral cycles. Yeah, I think that, and for me, those are there's two quite fascinating parts of it. Like one, of course, you have misleading adverts and fact-checking and misrepresentation of information but I think what's quite unique, particularly about um, political advertising, which I know reform is addressing, is many of the public not knowing that what they're being served is is an advert, you know, because it may be an asset in social media or something else. And it, the, the sort of blurry line by which you're also not implicitly or explicitly allowing the consumer to take an objective view on what's being communicated to them, which to your point, you know, in all other commercial advertising, it's quite clear at some point that you're having an advert or a brand experience and even where it's paid, you're still opting in to assess and you know, analyze the messages as being delivered to you rather than something being shared by a family member or a friend or, you know, you're part of another 
community group and a piece of content pops up that talks about local issues that you have no idea is actually a piece of political advertising. And I think that's, to your point, that the range of it is is quite fascinating. And there's an argument that, you know, much political advertising now is almost a step ahead of some brand advertising in terms of how it's able to reach and deliver content that starts to engage with people across different issues. It's also the point relating to that, that people aren't really aware the electoral advertising generally in the public that it isn't regulated and we asked a survey with YouGov I think it was back in 2019 if the public were aware and, and they're really not aware that electoral advertising isn't regulated and in some ways that you know I think just has a sort of increased effect on its effectiveness combined with the fact that a lot of the effective advertising is actually subconscious and not people subconsciously thinking about it. The public are really on side with wanting this change. Yeah, we've done as part of that YouGov research and subsequent studies, we did sort of research in 2019, 2020 and, and uh, 2018 and just asked a simple question, you know, do you think electoral advertising should be regulated or a similar question to that over the years? And uh, eight out of 10 of the public said that it should. It's consistently been the same across all the different, of the three main parties. And if you look at it from a, you know, which is more relevant, I suppose, a year or two ago, but I suppose it's still very relevant. It, from a Brexit and a non-Brexit point of view, in terms of what you voted, it was the same response. So the public want it. This isn't a partisan uh, sort of issue from that point of view, unless you're obviously in the political party, where there's some inertia with, I suppose, the established parties in adopting it. But, you know, we're making progress. We're making progress there too with MPs and various political parties that have come on board and supported us. That's good, because I guess, you know, the sort of anecdotal or hypothetical kind of challenge would be politicians being kind of held held to account, but um, even more so why organisations and initiatives like Reformer are, are so important. It's almost impossible to talk about political advertising and brand activism and, you know, brands getting involved in social issues without Twitter being in the conversation, primarily because it is, the platform has a pivotal role in just public and you know, social, uh, political and pu- public discourse. Elon Musk, I think, uh, recently is uh, quoted saying that a sudden sharp drop in revenues for Twitter was due to activists suppressing free speech. Um, his view on free speech is obviously debatable, but without getting drawn into the must-driven quagmire that is Twitter's randomly evolving business strategy, do you think his comments indicate a lack of understanding of Twitter's advertising revenue model, albeit not as big as other platforms, but also moreover just modern advertising in general and in particular brand safety? Yeah, there's a few parts to that. I, I should just I sort of unpack it a bit. There's um, actually, the, the, I don't mind being drawn into the quagmire of Twitter's sort of evolving business model because I think it reinforces really well why um, we're a UK focused campaign. So certainly in the UK, the idea that, and this whole sort of chaotic episode around verified accounts and who wasn't a verified accounts and you really don't want one person being in charge of the rules to yeah. safeguard democracy. And it, it really does highlight really, really well how absolutely bonkers this is there's a lot of pressure exerted on the platforms that has been historically on facebook and i'm sure now there will be on twitter to try and get their house in order um, but actually from a political campaign point of view and political advertising point of view we just need there to be rules set that exist for all other forms of advertising to ensure the factual claims are accurate and content can be sort of verified and and claims in it trusted and it is crazy really that that there it, this has been talked about for so many years over the last couple of years but there's been so little action around this we gave evidence to the house of lords uh, democracies and digital technology committee in 2020 there was a cross-party group of the house of lords and we were yeah very satisfied and 
very sort of happy, I suppose, for them to to have as one of their key recommendations what we're asking for, um, that electoral advertising should be regulated. But there's been sort of inaction and the government actually rejected the, perhaps not surprisingly, but rejected the recommendation. So yes, certainly we're in the process really since then, whilst having that recognition and support from the ASA and the Electoral Commission now alongside that to uh, support regulation to try to engage with MPs and the different parties to get them on board because ultimately that's how this change is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and are there any associations that are sort of being built with reform sort of um, internationally? I think of other countries where there's quite heavy spending on political advertising. Or, you know, we've had the midterms in the US recently. There's an argument to say that you know the advent of very targeted and hyper effective social media political advertising came with a Obama's campaign and you know everyone's been built up on it since typically within the private sector national rules vary because it's all around legal statutes as to what's going to be said to consumers and you know product quality and regulations around that but politics itself actually feels like there's a bit more there should be a bit more of a platform around truth right in public service and public discourse so do you see opportunities for reform to extend across to other markets or other nations or are you you know are you working in collaboration with any other organizations internationally it's a very good point we've decided as a campaign to and we do share sort of information with other sort of organisations, but we've decided to focus on the UK. We rely on on unpaid volunteers and have limited resources at our disposal. So we've decided to focus on the UK. But having said that, it's quite interesting to look at precedents in other countries. And one of the things that was a bit of a light bulb moment last year, I think, for uh, various MPs and Lords that we presented to was to give the example of New Zealand. Um, and we got in Hilary Souter, who's the CEO of the Advertising Standards Authority in New Zealand. And uh, she explained how this has all been going on in New Zealand for several decades. And it has had all the parties bought into the process, Mm. which is quite an interesting sort of Mm. precedent and uh, just shows really it working in practice. They had, if you look back at one of the last um, electoral cycles that we were aware of was in 2020, they had 100 complaints as part of that general election that happened, and uh, half of them were upheld. So yeah, it's important, I think, for the campaign to not only kind of conceptually sort of put forward the argument for it, but to show it in practice. It's something we built on last year at the May elections, where we were really, really grateful for Lord Putman, who chaired the Democracy and Digital Technology Committee, who's agreed to agreed to chair a panel uh, that we ran at the May elections last year, and that we're going to run at the general election when that happens in the next two years at some point, to show how this could work in practice in the UK. And we set up a small group of people that worked as a, almost a bit of a proxy regulator, sort of reviewing electoral ads from the different parties and um, having a view basically as you know, a regulator would on if it was misleading or not. And again, I think that was another bit of deconstruction of how, you know, this can't happen in the UK that is part of us building our case. Alex, as a former global marketing leader, from the inside view, what advice would you give to brand marketeers looking to effectively navigate brand safety, especially purpose-led brands, across the ever-evolving ad tech and digital landscape where it's almost impossible to separate yourself from social issues around public discourse, which invariably have a political bent on them. What advice would you give to your old colleagues? I think it's 
an evolving piece and everyone kind of thinks this is all quite it's something new that everyone started talking about over the last couple of years i came across the other day something from i think it was 2010 when i wrote for the trade press about this emerging space of brand safety and why it was important it's been going on for an awful long time and like some of the obvious ways you can do that and what i used to do was just to lean on a lot of best practice that's out there from your agency if you're a bigger advertiser but now i think the conscious advertising network has really good principles on its website i've been involved in that from the sort of start of it and they're very sort of pragmatic actions that you can take as a brand and you can choose which of those are are relevant for you and also uh, the wfa the world federation of advertisers put together a similar initiative that it calls GARN that has some quite simple actions you can take. But I think it's it's really important for not only big brands, but for smaller brands to just be aware what their ad spend's funding. And actually just being aware of a, a very simple action you can take is just being aware of the sites that your ads run on. It's like incredibly simple because again, it's easy to focus on these bigger brands. But if you look at where the revenue comes from and the platforms, it's the long tail of advertisers yeah. that's more than, than the bigger brands actually with, with many of them. Thanks, Alex, for sharing with us some of the work that you've been doing with reform political advertising and just sharing also the landscape that we face for political advertising here in the UK and raising awareness to the issues around regulation and the ecosystem that sort of faces us when it comes to political advertising. Thank you to our Densu creative editorial and production teams who are powering this whole series. The Nerve Music Library for our soundtrack and to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, you can find lots more like it by subscribing to the series wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, go to ConsciousAdNetwork.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>